Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it kind of feels like today's show should be like a half an hour on what to watch for. But it's not. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. I don't know why I have the word round in there. I realize that it isn't a round. It's not a lightning round. It's just a lightning show. It's reverse chronological lightning Monday. A lightning round would be like if there was a, uh, a battle, someone else was also doing it, or we were trying to squeeze in a bunch of stuff together. But we're not. It's me. It's Solo. It's Dan Bespris here on Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Welcome to a new week. I've already lost track of how many in-season episodes we're on, so we're going to just give up on that task. And if you guys want to tweet it at me, that's totally fine. I'm at Dan Bespris. You can be like, Dan, why the hell can't you count? Uh, and the answer is, I blame everything on my children now. Uh, I have no brain space for anything not mission critical. And a lot of times, even mission critical things get mushed out one ear. So far, I haven't stranded a child in any, like on a park bench somewhere. I'm sure it's coming. Oops, I'm sorry, kid. I was trying to count how many damn in-season episodes of my podcast I did. Oops. At D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a sports ethos presentation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sportsethos.com, the website, at ethosfantasybk on Twitter to get your news feed the best in the biz. Fantasy news and analysis packed into one blurb feed, currently populated by some of the best writers in the industry. We have a weekend to recap. We also have all 30 teams playing tonight. The games start a tiny bit early, and they start every 15 minutes from the beginning through the end, which is just awesome. There are, however, no games tomorrow. The good with the bad. So on Wednesday, when we'd normally be doing a little bit of a Tuesday recap, we'll probably get a guest on the show. I'm hoping we can get Steve back on, make Steve kind of a, the, the Wednesday regular, talk a little buy low, sell high stuff. Don't worry, we got a plan. Best laid, though they may be, we do have a plan. But let's go ahead and just dive on in. Let's start with Sunday. We work backwards through the weekends. This is how the Monday shows work during the season. We just want to basically reset every single team. Whatever happened with the club in their last most recent ball game, and what does that mean for us as we move forward? I am not, as a heads up, going to be doing a look ahead on today's show. The, the weekend recap takes plenty of time. If you want to know what I'm looking for, with all 30 freaking teams playing, we can do that on social media together. I would also mention that all of the stuff that I think about these teams, as it's popping into my dome... I make sure to throw in our premium Discord earlier than it goes out to the masses. So there is an advantage there. You can still sign up for the Fantasy Pass. Hey, that BOGO coupon is still running, so go check that out uh, at sportsethos.com. You can just demo it. Basically, you get two months of a Fantasy Pass for the price of one. It's 6 bucks for two months with that coupon BOGO. Uh, and you can get all of the crap that drops out of my brain before anybody else gets it. Sunday was just a four-gamer, so we can blitz through that pretty quick, can't we? Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Cleveland beat the Lakers, which, you know, who doesn't these days? Lakers got off to a pretty good start in this ballgame and then just completely ran out of gas. Bench Russell has been a lot better. Bench Russell's been better. His turnovers are still crazy high because he's going at 
Westbrook speed all the time. But, in sort of a silly twist, he was basically the Lakers' best three-point shooter in yesterday's game. And that tells you all you need to know about how horrible they've been at shooting the basketball. They did ultimately make eight of them, but uh, two or three of those, I think, came in, in beyond garbage time. And it's a mess. I mean, they need shooting. Uh, do they bench defense in, in place of shooting? That's Matt Ryan. But then that, that side of the ball suffers. LeBron looks very slow. I don't know if it's the foot or the flu or whatever, but he just doesn't look like himself at all so far. After, I thought LeBron looked like kind of decent for a couple of ball games. He seemed to have that a little bit of burst. He has no burst the last three or four games. It's, it's kind of a wonder the Lakers made out with a win in any of those. AD's been solid, missed a bunch of free throws in this one, and that, I mean, free throws in general kind of cost the Lakers. This was a really strangely officiated ball game. There was a double foul on Anthony Davis and Jared Allen midway through the third quarter when the Lakers were down one, and it was AD's fourth. He didn't pick up another foul the rest of the way, but he sat the rest of that quarter, and that was pretty much when the Cavs just blew the thing wide open. What the hell kind of a double foul in any event? Uh, as far as fantasy goes, I think the only real note on this game is that Kevin Love again double-doubled with a couple of three uh, three balls. He blocked a shot, which was I think was more like a strip on the way up, not a traditional shot block. But you know what? It counts in the box score either way. And he is, whether we like it or not, inside the top 100 in 9-cat right now. He's number 94. Number 94. Yes, one turnover game is part of the bump there. Uh, but, like, look, Mitchell Robinson has .6 turnovers per game, and he's 105. Kevin Love is ahead of some guys that were, like, expected to be kind of decent this year. And that is a decent number. So he's kind of moved beyond niche player. A couple of giant games are floating his line, so you're going to get those big ones. You're going to get those clunker ones. This was kind of like the in-between game. But he is technically startable in 9-cat right now. Go figure. I got a question about Troy Brown Jr. I mean, you know, he's starting. That's like the best thing we can say about it at this point. He's he's absolutely not going to be doing enough. And then on the Russell Westbrook front, like, you know, I, I guess technically he's been good enough to play since he moved to the bench. Frankly, he's been better than most of the Lakers over that stretch. But what does that actually mean? Is it sustainable? Like, he's shooting 55, 56% over his last three ball games, 20 points, eight assists. He's been downright good, other than the turnovers being near six. I think you can start him for now. That's where I'm at. I think a lot of that stuff comes back to earth. The Lakers, I, I don't know how they just do this the rest of the year. Like, you got to do something, even if it screws up your ability to sign a free agent, don't you? This is a disaster. Memphis beat Washington 103-97. This game wasn't as close, really, as the final score would indicate. Grizzlies were up by I like 10ish pretty much the entire ball game Washington closed the gap a little Jordan Goodwin had a solid all-around game off the bench for Washington I'm not buying in on that he's going to be in a battle for the Bradley Beal-less minutes Beal's in protocol so you know that'll be a couple more ball games most likely Goodwin you know Monty Morris is going to be asked to do more but he only had one assist which was kind of weird Will Barton came off the bench he was okay in 24 minutes Hachimura, Kispert, Avdia, all these guys were like, meh. And then Goodwin was the one who had the better ball game, but then they'll just rotate. As a, as a little bit of a rule of thumb, and it's not set in stone here, the rule of thumb is if you're going to pick up a streamer, 
when someone's out. I would want that streamer to be good two out of three ball games. And then if the third one is meh or terrible, it should balance out. If it's any if the if the percentage is anything less than that, it's not good enough. And that's where you're at with pretty much all of these guys. Persingas finally had a down ball game. He had had some huge ones. Turnovers were a little high, percentages were a little low. I mean the Wizards just like there weren't many good performances on them. And so KP fell to number 17, but he did get three blocks. So kind of floated it that way and uh, he's kicking ass. Desmond Bain was awesome again. Desmond Bain was awesome again. He was, like, one of the biggest bets in the Brewski 150, and he's number 20. Uh, sorry, I, I'm screwing up my numbers here, people. Porzingis is not 17. He's fallen, uh, where is he? He's, like, around late 20s. Bain is 21 on the season, smoking his ADP in every respect. He's been brilliant. Uh couple other notes on this ballgame here, and maybe the more important ones. Brandon Clark, 21 minutes, and he was very good in them. But Steven Adams tweaked an ankle in the fourth quarter, and so Clark picked up a few extra bones there. He, uh, Clark was playing well in this game, to give him credit. Like, he had a good thing going, but he also saw a little bit of bonus time. We need Steven Adams to be out. Brandon Clark is going to become that one-to-one replacement-type player. John Morant, I know he had 23, 9, and 6, but this this is where we get lost in the scoring. Because of Morant's numbers now kind of coming back towards where we figured, especially on the percentages front, he's not shooting 55% anymore. He's not shooting 98% at the free throw line. He's at 48 and 84. Frankly, I think the free throw number probably continues to taper off. Everything now is leveling for him. And in nine category leagues, John Morant is number 44. Four turnovers, one of the highest numbers in the NBA. Low steals, low blocks, low three-pointers for someone that scores like he does. 1.8 is fine. Like, that's a little bit better than maybe the expectation. But, like, seven assists, pretty good, but not blowing the roof off the building. Five rebounds, pretty good. 28 points, very good. And that's where it, it all ends up resting. We see that huge point total, but the other stuff is, like, just good. And this is why we have, you know, the, this kind of fade John Morant thing, because he consistently goes too early. Now, if you're in a format like Roto, he's going to kill you over the course of the year with the high volume, all the stuff, and the turnovers piling up and blah, blah, blah. But head-to-head side, like, you might catch a week where his turnovers are a little bit lower. You might catch a week where his... Free throw percent is a little bit better. He carried teams for the first two weeks of this season, and now he won't for a week or longer. We don't know. But that's why he makes more sense in a head-to-head format. And I think as every year I feel like head-to-head and Roto strategies diverge more. As people get better at each one, you can't just blanket them. Whatever. Uh, Toronto, 113-104 winners. Freddie Van Fleet back and raring to go, man. Apparently, all he needed was a little bit of rest after that, what did he shoot, like 0 for 13 game or something? 30 and 11 with five three-pointers. And considering he had that one truly horrible game, the fact that Van Vliet is still number 15 per game is a testament how good he's been in the other ones. OG Ananobi, brilliant again. He's number 13 OG's on the turn, man, right now. Look, he's not going to be number 13 all year, but he could be top 25, top 30 all year. 
as those steals come back to earth, but everything else could very well stay. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Uh, Gary Trent had a bad game. He got benched. Don't worry about it. Chris Boucher, 22 minutes. That's more than enough with Pascal Siakam out. He didn't do as much as usual. The three turnovers kind of depressed the value of the game. And then look, he shot four for 10. If he makes a three-pointer, if he makes one more shot and shoots five for 10, then his field goal percent is a positive. He's at 10 and six with three defensive stats. And we're talking about this very differently. Boucher is very much an all systems go player. Anytime any Raptors starter is out. And I know what you're saying. Dan, Christian Coloco had six blocks in 31 minutes. I would counter with the note that first he's going to get picked up in like every single league. And then he's going to disappoint a bunch of teams. Not because he's not a good basketball player. I don't even really know if he's a good basketball player. He's super new to this equation. What we do know is that he's been starting for a week while Freddie Van Vliet is out. And previously, he had five blocks, 13 rebounds, and 13 points in his last three games before this one. The only thing positive about that was the blocks. So then he comes roaring in with this mega game, 11 and 7 is six block shots. He gets picked up in, well, he's picked up in like 60% of my leagues. Still only 18% roster, but that's up from one yesterday. Uh, does he do it again? It's a, it's a rematch with Chicago, so maybe the matchup is good for him there. Uh, or does he just get played off the court? Because he's super young, and super young players tend to have these big swings back and forth. I do like his block rate. That appears to be something that you can sort of like put a little check mark in and say, okay, if this dude gets 20 minutes of ball game, he's going to block one to two shots per night. But everything else is, you know, can't see me, but I'm kind of waving my arms furiously over here and most nonsensical. Chicago side, uh, another good ball game for Alex Caruso when one player is missing. He may kind of become that same deal. We're, we're seeing it with a lot of teams now where one guy's out and it doesn't matter which guy it is. They just, teams want to bring in their, make their best whatever player more relevant. Now, for Toronto, they don't start Boucher, but he's the big winner every time somebody's out. Uh, oh, by the way, um, this is why I didn't tell you guys to pick up Pre Precious Ashua. His fantasy lines are weird. He's a bad percentages guy who's center eligible, but he's only like six foot five or something weird like that. Like, nothing about this makes sense. So I'd say leave Achua on the wire. I know a lot of analysts said pick him up. I'm not on that boat. He'll have a good game here and there. 
He'll have a game where he grabs a ton of rebounds or gets a few steals, but he can't shoot, really. He's not around the rim the way that you'd see a normal center, and his free throws aren't great. So that's a lot to overcome. Anyway, back to the Chicago side. Uh, they're kind of looking a little bit more like Philly, where if somebody's out, Caruso steps in. Now, I don't know if that would be the case. Like, if Vooch was out, would we not see an, a backup center instead? But certainly when Levine's out, Caruso gets the bump. When Io's out, Caruso gets the bump. Uh, I would assume it's kind of the same kind of type of deal if DeMar has to miss the ballgame here coming up. But here's, here's the notes on the Chicago team, and there are a few of them. First, when Levine sits... You can feel, I think, pretty confident starting Patrick Williams. He got 16 shots up in this game. That was the most on the team. Uh, of any real regular, he had the highest usage. I think Goran Dragic was just slightly in front of him on that mark. But So Patrick Williams is very much a start when someone's resting, particularly Zach Levine. He's borderline when the Bulls are fully healthy. Caruso, I, I mean... The, ver the jury's a little bit out. He shot two for 11 here, which is just downright atrocious. But 11 rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, and two blocks. It's hard to overlook how good those four categories were. And he's not going to shoot two for 11 every night because, you know, that's a number that levels off. So I'm inclined to say that if we, if you want to time it, Patrick Williams is the better replacement when Levine is out. Caruso's the better replacement when Io is out, who, you know, he hasn't been in a little while, but he missed a game or two, whatever it was, week and a half ago. Do I feel comfortable starting Caruso the next time Levine is out? Mm. I'm going to hem and haw on this one all season long. I just know it. And maybe the answer is, if you need a bunch of steals, that's the time. Utah won again. That team's, that team's good. Not lucky good, like actually good. They make a lot of shots, too. 15 more three-pointers for the Jazz. They rained them in on the Lakers. They rained them in on the Clippers. Markinen, 18-9, made all seven of his free throws again. We knew that was going to be a positive for him, and it's a bigger one because he's getting there a bunch four and a half times a game right now. She'll still shooting 52% from the field. That's a number that I, I just have to believe comes down for Larry, but we'll see. Mike Conley, fantastic again. You know, taking a chance on these old guys has really paid off so far. Conley's in the mid-70s this year in rank. Jordan Clarkson piling up turnovers like they're going out of style. But he's right around the edge of the top 100, despite shooting a weirdly low 72% at the foul line. As that ticks up towards the high 70s, he'll creep into the 80 range also. Kelly Olenek, more foul issues. He had five of them this game. But, you know, five or nine, four and four with a three ball and a steal. He's like one stat away from having a decent line there. Uh, Olenek's bouncing around, but he's number 91. And then the one that everybody was paying close attention to is Colin Sexton, who got another 27 minutes. This appears to be kind of his spot right now. Go ultra usage when you're on the floor. And he's been pretty good lately. I'd love... Colin, to see you get another one or two assists. Two is not quite enough, but this is why you held on to see what the end point would be for him. At the end of the ramp-up period, what was Colin Sexton's job on that team going to be? It's also, by the way, worth noting that Mike Conley's still going to sit out back-to-backs, and so when that happens, you're going to see Sexton play 33-34 minutes, then he's more than willing, ready to go. 
Over the last week, he's sitting just outside the top 100, 18-3-2 with a steal, uh, 1.3 steals and a couple of three-pointers. And that's a pretty reasonable spot for him. He's not going to blow the roof off the building. He's not going to get 30 shots a game because the team is good enough where they don't have to just say, here, do whatever the hell you want. Uh, they also might not trade all these guys away now. Meanwhile, for the Clippers, Terrence Mann had a better ball game. I'm not doing anything with it because he shot 7 for 8, and that's not happening again anytime soon. Paul George, Ivica Zubats, Marcus Morris are the three Clippers that need to be started right now. You can drop everybody else. I keep getting asked this question over and over and over again. What do we do about the rest of these guys? You can drop them. And you're like, Dan, John Wall, he got 28 minutes yesterday. Yeah, Reggie Jackson hurt his knee. Now, if Jackson's knee causes him to miss a bunch of time and Wall's going to be a full-time starter playing 32-ish minutes per ball game, then you look at it. But look, like, first of all, John went 6 for 15 from the field and 0 for 4 at the free throw line. It's really hard to overcome that kind of issue. And so I'd rather just leave it alone. Okay? Easy enough. Okay, so let me take you back in time a little bit here. Uh, like the early, it was like 2012, 2013. I was trying to figure out, I worked in minor league baseball at that point. I was trying to figure out if there was a way to stream games in market, even though I wasn't really in market. And I didn't really want everybody knowing that that's, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was in a hotel on the road. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I got it. Wanted to watch a Dodger game, and I was technically in their media market, but I was like 200 miles from their stadium. We didn't get their games on TV, so anyway. Here's the thing. I know what you're probably thinking. Why didn't you just use an incognito tab? Well, let me tell you. Incognito mode doesn't actually hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your ISP can still see every single website you've ever visited. Everyone. That's why. Even when I'm home. So forget my hotel on the road story. I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter who your ISP is. All of them in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies. So ExpressVPN, a simple app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so the ISP can't see the sites you visit. Keeps all your information secure by encrypting your data. And maybe the, the best part? Is this the best part? You don't even really know it's on. You just boot it up, click a button. It's available on all your devices, phones, computers, smart TVs. Turn it on, click one button, boom, it's just running in the background. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. And you can visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. I'd love being able to yell the old site name. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That is EXPRESSVPN.com slash hoopball. Go there now, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, and learn more. Let's go back to Saturday. I ended up talking more about Sunday than I intended to on that one. But whatever, there was stuff to discuss. Sacramento beat Orlando on the road. A De'Aaron Fox 40-footer. That was pretty cool. Okay, that was pretty cool. And as someone who has a Kings overbet, I kind of need them to pull out games against tanking teams or teams that are accidentally tanking. Malik Muck was better. He's going to be back and forth. We talked about this. Trey Lyles had a big ball game. Again, this is very much a if a tree falls in the forest kind of thing. Kevin Herter was quieter. Don't worry about it. He's been fine. The real things 
I guess there are a couple, that I want to talk to you guys about in this particular ballgame. One, Keegan Murray started, was terrible. One for six from the field, three points, two boards, a steal, and a three-pointer. He can be had at a bargain basement price. He's number 123 in 9-cat. But the, the brilliance of Keegan Murray is that his fantasy game translates really well to the NBA. He can score, he can hit the three ball, he can rebound a little bit, steals, blocks, does shoot the free throw well, but right now, 46% from the field, could that come up? Maybe. But more than anything, he hasn't been as involved lately, and over two turnovers per game for someone with his particular job on this team is weirdly high and should hopefully come down. What I don't know definitively is how much it's going to cost you to get him. I do know that a lot of analysts had you drafting him ultra early and are probably feeling a little bit sheepish about it right now, but they shouldn't. What they should be doing is probably doubling down. I would say buy low on Keegan. You know me. I'm never targeting these rookies on draft day. This is why. Rookies typically don't just burst onto the scene and dominate the NBA if they weren't like, well, Wambanyana, who's probably going to do it next year. There's like one a year who just comes out and is like good all season long. That never happens. We're always watching 10, 15 rookies, and like one of them is good all season long. Most of them go through these massive growing pains, and then a bunch of them get good in January, and it's the same story recycled, and every year we somewhat, not me, not this one, you can't pin this one on me, but we t- folks yell at us that this is going to be different or this is the year, and then it's not the year. Talking to Rick Lean on this show. Think about think back to a- uh, Alex Rick Lean's guest spot leading up to this season. He has all these really good pieces of data on why rookies don't work. The ones that hit their ADP, it's usually because of a big surge right at the end of the season. So great. So when they stink early in the year, that's when you can go get them. Because the thing about all these guys is, I would have loved to have drafted them at like 140 last couple of picks and just watch them grow all season long, but they don't fall that far. Now, you might be able to get them for the guy you drafted at 140. Give it a look. Jalen Suggs is the other name I want to mention here. 6.7 assists, 6 turnovers. It's a similar issue over there. Uh, I wonder how long before Markel Fultz comes back, and if he does come back and look good, does he take that job? In the meantime, you should be adding Suggs. I know this is a terrible ball game, but look, 35 minutes for a starting point guard in the NBA. You have to at least check it out. And he had a better ball game than the one before that, even if he missed a bunch of free throws. Brooklyn beat Charlotte 98-94. Kevin Durant continues his assault on the NBA. Nick Claxton has bounced back with some truly colossal games lately. He's jumped all the way to number 53, despite basically being a punt free throw guy. He kind of stopped getting to the line the last couple of ball games, and that's great because he's averaging three defensive stats and he's shooting 73% from the field. So there's a lot of good there with Claxton. I still think you could probably sell and get like a top 75 guy back who's not a punt free throw dude, and that is preferable for me. If you're punting free throws, he's one of the best players to have in the NBA right now. Other note on this game is Cam Thomas, who now has put up back-to-back good uh, Kyrie suspension games. He will most likely lose his value when Kyrie comes back. I'm afraid to use him in a Roto Games Cap format. I just I can't see him 
like getting 11 free throws and scoring 20 points a game for each of the next three nights. Yuto Watanabe's also been pretty good. I'm inclined to just sort of leave this situation alone and run KD, Royce O'Neal, who had a shooting issue in this ballgame, but otherwise has been very good this year, and Claxton out there uh, for Brooklyn until Kyrie comes back. On the Charlotte side, Dennis Smith Jr. tweaked an ankle early in this ballgame. He did not return. He is questionable. LaMelo Ball is doubtful for their game today, meaning, yeah, I mean, I guess DSJ might get back before Ball, but at this point, you're like trying to slip through. You're threading a needle here. If you're sitting on Dennis Smith Jr. with the possibility he might give you a zero if he does not play, I don't think that's worth it. Not, you know, not just because Terry Rozier is back and he's going to take most of that usage, which, by the way, thank goodness Terry's back. That was really annoying to lose him for two weeks right at the start of the season. But so Dennis Smith's job was already shrinking. When LaMelo comes back, as good as DSJ had been, his job is pretty much gone at that point. They can try to shoehorn him into some lineups, but he's not going to have the role he had when one of them was out. And he certainly isn't going to have the role he had when both of them have been out. So my take is, you could probably drop drop Dennis Smith Jr. You might miss a game, maybe two games where he's okay, pre-Lamello's return. But overall, you're not going to be sacrificing that much if if someone now is on the wire that you're looking at. Somebody good. And then in head-to-head, you just don't want to take a zero. Uh, Not a whole lot in the New Orleans-Atlanta game. Just a quick update on Larry Nance, who I think we talked about on Friday's episode, but now I honestly don't remember. Um... I think on Friday, we were talking about how he had had one or two good games in a row. Well, now it's kind of been four. That's, I guess, the important... Yeah, because he played both... He played Friday and Saturday. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So he he put up two more good games. Uh, He needs to be rostered everywhere. And unbelievably, I was very slow on the Nance pickup, which is so dumb, because you guys know he's like... He was one of the guys I really wanted to have a huge season last year, and then he immediately got hurt, which is classic Nance, and then he got traded to a spot where the Pels didn't even really know how to deploy him, and the whole thing just imploded. But now they figured it out. They figured it out. They have enough offense. They can run Nance at center instead of Valanchunas, who's taken a huge hit, and this is why I kept saying I really don't like his fit this season. I really don't like it. He's down near 80, and Nance, after these big ball games, is right behind him. So if you haven't added Nance already, you should. And if for some reason Herb Jones got dropped after an injury-plagued start to the year, you should be adding him too. Because if you think he's going to shoot 40% from the field and a high-volume 70% at the foul line, yeah, it's just not. Like, Jones is about to pile up defensive stats like they're going out of style. Boston uh, winners over New York on the road. Tatum, another big ball game. Brown, another big ball game. Smart finally got in the mix. 13 points, 11 assists. Look, we'll take it because Marcus has been kind of missing. He's still number 124. Uh, I expect the steals to trend up. What I don't know if it's going to come back or not is, is just like general usage for him. It's lower because Grant Williams got better, they brought in Brogdon, and Derek White is floating around. Just not as much for Smart to do on offense. So I'm a little worried. I mean, last year he was like in the mid to late 70s. Now I think we might be looking more at a, at a 100 range guy this year, and that's right on the borderline, but holdable, obviously, for now, especially after a good ball game. 
The Knicks teased us with a starting lineup switch. We all thought it was going to be Emmanuel quickly. It was Quentin Grimes. He got hurt immediately. Then Cam Reddish took his spot. So quickly is just not going to get that opportunity. However, Mitchell Robinson got hurt, and we know who takes that opportunity. It's our good buddy Isaiah Hartenstein, who has already put together an excellent start to the year. Uh, there's just pretty much only things to like about him. He's number 55? Is that possible? Wow, that's higher than I realized. I thought he was in the 80s. Hartenstein's number 55. He's been terrific almost exclusively as a backup prior to this one ball game. And this one wasn't even his best game of the year. Start with confidence. Rest of season. I can't stand the Thunder. I really can't. Uh, it's going to be Shea every night. It's going to be Giddy some nights. And then it's going to be a, a rotating cavalry of uselessness the rest of the time. Like, they're not as terrible as we thought they were going to be, but that's largely just because Shea's been otherworldly to start the season. But they're still bad. They're 4-5. and five. They're going to be trying to lose games here coming up. Make no mistake, like the Spurs are the same story. They're going to be trying to lose games. The Thunder are going to be trying to lose games. I don't think the Jazz are. I think Utah's like, you know what, screw it. We're actually kind of decent, so let's just let it ride. Rockets are tanking. Thunder are tanking. Spurs are tanking. Uh, and everybody else is trying in the Western Conference. So... Yeah, I mean, it behooves Oklahoma City to just play everybody 20 minutes, keep them healthy, and lose ballgames. Whatever. Giannis sat this one out because uh, a handshake agreement was reached behind closed doors that Oklahoma wasn't going to try to win it anyway. I I'm fairly well convinced that that's actually happening. I know that that's full-on tinfoil hat stuff, but, like, I think that teams with superstars come into these games and they're like, look, can we give our guy a day off? And then the team that's tanking is like, yeah, man, we don't want this one. So, like, do what you got to do, and uh, we'll just fudge our lineups, and uh, you guys go get a win. And they did, because Brooke Lopez hit another four three-pointers on his way to 25 points, and I love it. I can't get over how ridiculous this Brooke Lopez resurgence season is. He's number 19 over the first nine games of his season. Crazy. I know it's not going to stick, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. You're not going to get what you'd want in a trade for him anyway. Like, if you're going to sell Brooke Lopez, you'd be wanting top 50, but nobody's giving that to you right now. So just enjoy it. However long this lasts, just enjoy it. Know that at some point he's going to taper off. Question is, how far? I think he's probably better than the top 85 range guy we were expecting this season. He may be more like top 50, top 60. Um, we'll see. I mean, he is he's the anchor to everything they do on defense. If you're wondering why Milwaukee looks so freaking good so far, that is why. 9-0, just steamrolling people. Now, they've had an easy schedule to some degree, mostly home games, but I don't think it matters. They're just going to bop people left and right. Chris Middleton, by the way, went to go practice. Pat Connaughton did as well with the G League team. They're still out, uh, but they're getting closer. I'm betting we see both of those guys within the next 7 to 10 days. So... You know, if somebody didn't see that report, by the way, this would be a great time to go see if maybe you could drag Chris Middleton off of a team. I don't know how easy that would be. It might be quite complicated, actually, but worth a try. Worth a try, I say. Minnesota beat Houston without Rudy Gobert. He's in protocol, so he'll probably miss another game or two. Uh, Slow-mo. Easy and obvious pickup here. 30 minutes. Uh... 
He was great. Got assists, got some rebounds, got some steals. That's the usual slow-mo way. He even did some three-pointers, although I don't think you can expect that on a day-to-day. But he's an obvious super stream as long as Rudy's out. And I love when we get that easy solution. I would assume this would be the case when Cat misses a game this year also, that Kyle Anderson is the obvious just slot him in replacement. Torian Prince also had a really good game. I don't want to overlook that part either, that he got a big bump. But, I mean, you go with the starter in a situation like that. If you're running a super stream, you go with the starter. On the Houston side, uh, Jabari Smith sat this one out. So, I mean, the only thing that that tells me is that the buy low window is still open because he didn't have that big ball game that everybody's going to wake up to. That's another one where you can get it for peanuts. Keegan, you can get for peanuts. Jabari Smith, you can get for peanuts. Kawhi Leonard, you can get for peanuts. Oh, my goodness. I do feel like I need to talk about him at the end of the show somehow, but see if I remember. Um, KJ Martin, if he's going to start and play 30-plus minutes of ball game, he's an ad. I don't know that he will, however, uh, do that. I let, Let's keep an eye on this one. Call him a watch list guy for now. Um, Tari Eason, 24 minutes. He looked pretty good here also. A lot of watch list stuff with the Rockets because they got beat up. They didn't play guys particularly big minutes here. And uh, Kevin Porter and Jalen Green struggled with their shots in this one. Um, Jalen Green even inside the top 200 right now? No, he's number 200. Porter had gotten off to a pretty good start. He's now fallen outside the top 100. Field goal percent, generally the culprit on that one. Uh Uh-oh. The sky is falling. Alperin Shengun's gotten better, though, so at least there's that. I don't know. Would love it if K.J. Martin could lock in a roll. He'd be a really sneaky fantasy grab here. Don't let this one slip by if he has another good ball game tonight. I know that Houston's, like, rotating dudes in and out nightly because, you know, K.J. got the start because Jabari Smith was out, but he'd been playing a little better anyway. Just keep an eye on it. What if Eric Gordon gets moved? Who gets the bump there? Do they slide Smith down and start K.J.? There are a lot of ways that this could turn towards Eason, towards Martin... You get it. You don't have to do anything now. That's the point. I'm not saying anybody these these dudes is a pickup. Spurs brought their uh, usual suspects back for this one and uh, still got blown out. Denver's got a lot of weapons. Um, they were, I think, a pretty fashionable pick to go far this year, but I think that's one of those times where maybe fashionable is right. They're 4-0 at home. Uh, they haven't looked particularly locked in on defense yet, but as soon as they are, they're going to be frightening. With Jokic running an offense now with a healthy Michael Porter Jr., a healthy Jamal Murray, KCP is a brilliant fit on that team. Bruce Brown is a great fit on that team. And then in this one, Bones got going crazy, but this was garbage time stuff. Don't don't fall prey to that. He did almost all of this damage when this game was a 25-point fourth-quarter lead. I need to see this nightly. What I am pleased with is that Jamal Murray got assists in this ballgame, and he is very much looking like himself again. Over on the season, he's still number 190. Last week, however, he's inside the top 85. That's the important part. And that, by the way, Jamal Murray hasn't even found a defensive stat in the last week. So that's with zeros in two categories. So he's coming. And KCP's been good. Like, I think you can start Pretty much the whole starting five. You guys know I'm not a big Aaron Gordon fan, but uh, due to shooting the ball a little bit better, he's been, like, kind of okay. 
Uh, free throw percent is holding him back right now. I, ugh. If any of the starters is not a go for me, it's Aaron Gordon. Because no matter what he does well, there's always something sagging his numbers. But KCP's number 70. Jamal's coming. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s number 48. Jokic has been, like, with his eyes closed, number 6 right now. I don't even feel like he's played all that well. Denver's good. Or they will be, certainly. I know this isn't the game to grade him by. But, hey, Devin Vassell, solid. He's back. Keldon Johnson looked good in his return after a one-game absence. Jakob Pertle, a little hit or miss. Trey Jones, um... Look, I mean, we talked about this a ton during the preseason. I thought he was getting way overdrafted. And he's number 116 right now. So not way overdrafted, but a little bit. He just doesn't have much in the way of competition with the Josh Primo stuff happening. So stick with Trey Jones. He's not a guy that I'm like, you got to go buy low on him. I just don't think there's a ton of upside there. He'll be fine all season long. That's the Trey Jones experiment. And you can move on from Josh Richardson now. That stream, we can see, definitively tied to Devin Vassell's absence. Ah, Phoenix. Uh, it was the previous game, actually, but they lost Cam Johnson to what we are... Still, I don't think it's officially official that it's a torn meniscus. That's the rumor. I think right now they're saying they're, they are very concerned that it's meniscus. Um, what they haven't told us yet is whether or not they're going to do the full repair, which is like a three-month thing, or... Just cut it, basically, um, and let him play for whatever and then do it in the offseason. That's more like a four- to six-week thing. So hang on just for now until we get more on the Cam Johnson front. What I'd love to see is what does the Phoenix, what do the minutes look like for the Suns in a game that's not an intense blowout and without Cam Johnson for the entire ballgame? I picked up Corey Craig, Torrey Craig in a few spots. You see what I did there? I called him Corey Treg. Woof, Dano needs a rest. Torrey Craig, who, he's not going to get many shots, but the ones he takes are going to be good because, you know, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, stuff like that. Um, he'll get you some steals. The blocks were weirdly high in this ballgame. I have minimal in the way of expectations for Torrey, but I added him because, you know, being the starting power forward on this team is a reason to at least get a look. My guess is that they're not going to be so tied in to Craig that he'll just, like, get 30 minutes every game. I think he'll see some games where he's playing well, and he does play 30 minutes. You'll probably see other games where maybe he's not looking as great. Dario Saric will pick up some time. Uh, Damian Lee will pick up time. They'll they'll slide everybody up and let Mikel Bridges play some power forward. So it's not a... He doesn't have the minutes guaranteed to him the way that Cam Johnson did. So I, I picked up Torrey Craig, call that one a speculative ad... Just in case it clicks. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, we haven't really seen him in a good situation with minutes before. We've seen him in bad situations with minutes, and it tends to be very inconsistent. Uh, but might as well. I figure I might as well just be there in case it lands. And if it doesn't, we'll know in, like, one or two games. And this one has some shelf life, because Cam's not coming back super soon either way. On the Portland side, it sounds like Dame is coming back. So whatever you were messing around with here, and, like... A lot of us, myself included, thought about a Justice Winslow drop-in. Not in Roto. We know enough about Winslow's percentages to know he's just not a guy you use in Roto. Uh, for the head-to-head, back-to-back, he was he ended up being useful. Good in one game, bad in the other, and that's kind of all you look for there. Uh, I expect Portland to be better. 
with Dame back, and then all of these fringe guys just fall right off the map. Easy peasy. That one's a, a fairly simple call. Uh, quickly here. Oh, man, we got to get to Friday, and we're 40 minutes into this thing. The, um... Oh, man. I know. There's so much left to do. Okay, look. Here's what I, I got to tell you guys about Thrive Fantasy. Let's do the thing we did last time, where I'm going to make you guys a deal. If you go to thrivefantasy.com right now, what I'll do is just sit quietly here on the show for about eight beats, eight seconds, where you can pause it, you can go check it out, and if you sign up using promo code ETHOS, you get that big deposit match, but I'm not going to spend the full 90 seconds telling you about it today, because my, my, my gift to you is that we're going to keep on doing the podcast, but I need you to go do this, so I'm going to take an eight-second pause, and you will go do that now. You can even hear me moving my mouse around while we're taking the pause. Friday was actually a really huge card, so this is going to be kind of hard for me to figure out who we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Miami, it sounds like Jimmy Butler is back. So if you were screwing around with Max Struess, um, you might still be able to because Tyler Hero is questionable. So stay to, cl- locked into the news feed for however that thing shakes out. Uh, for Indiana, Chris Duarte is out for four to six weeks with his thing. And again, a tree fell in the forest. It's going to be more Benedict Matherin, uh, but he was on rosters anyway. Isaiah Jackson, luxury stash at this point. We're just waiting on the Lakers to panic mode, which they should be already. But, you know, they haven't yet. For Philadelphia, with Harden out for a month. And at some point, Darrell Embiid will be back. We're hoping for this one. He's missed a week now. DeAnthony Melton, horrible shooting game, but oh boy, everything else is looking so juicy here. Starters minutes, DeAnthony Melton is a top 40 player. Let's enjoy it. Uh, Let's see, we've talked Brooklyn, Washington, Detroit. Um, No changes to anybody. Boyan Bogdanovich finally had a slow ball game. You knew this type of thing was coming, and they got crushed by a Cleveland team that is, look, they're very good. Cavs are good this year. Um... But I know there's somebody else we haven't talked about here. Warriors! They benched everybody in that game on Friday. Don't read too much into it. Cool. Dallas! Luca. Hey! Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Comfortably inside the top 100 now. So maybe the Mavs will indeed have two players there. I still think there's a shot for Dorian Finney-Smith to uh, gather his way into the top 100. But everybody else on Dallas is uh, a little bit of a closed eyes. You're like firing at a... a Blind, blindfolded dart, dart throwing here. Uh, Christian Wood, he's okay. Um, I mean, this was the the volatility side of things. Like this is why we didn't want to deal with the Christian Wood experiments or experience. Mushing two words together, uh, and then finally, I want to talk about Kawhi Leonard just for a second because we're still in this no timetable thing. I want to preface this by saying, I personally do not have the stones to pull this off. I don't. Uh, it makes me too worried, and I hate having an injured player on my roster. But if you're in a roto situation where you have an injured list slot and maybe somebody else doesn't, or it's a league where you've got like four or five bench slots, so you don't need to be using everyone, I would strongly consider offering up someone like a Mike Conley, which I know doesn't move the needle, or even a Melton, who's going to be decent for the next month. Or you could go even as high as a boy on Bogdanovich, because we knew he was never going to stick where he was before for Kawhi Leonard. I don't think I would go higher than that. 
Um, you know, maybe you look at like a Kyle Lowry who's number 54 right now. Um, I mean, there's a couple of names floating around where you're like, yeah, this guy's going to taper off a little bit. Uh, Bull Bull at 41. I don't think that'll get it done. What I'm saying here is, like, look at some of the players ranked between 55 and 85 and just see if any of them have enough buzz to maybe get it done. You know, one that's an interesting name is Wendell Carter Jr., who's having a really good season so far. 16 and 10, three assists, but he doesn't really do it on the defensive side. We sort of forget that he's that weird center that gets almost no defensive stats, but it seems like he should because, like, he's near the bucket and he's rebounding a bunch of stuff. Uh, but he's like Valanchunas. We just don't, we don't associate them together because JV doesn't jump. So we're like, oh yeah, that guy's not going to block a ton of shots. But Wendell Carter Jr. can jump. He just doesn't block shots. So yeah, it does change your team a little bit, but he's number 75 and that's probably where he's going to be floating all season long. What if, think about this on the roto side, what if you gave up a guy like Wendell Carter Jr., you got Kawhi Leonard, and what if Kawhi does play 40 to 50 games the rest of the way. What if? For Roto, that's a league-winning type of move. But what's the cost? What if Kawhi only plays like 25 games? Does that crush your team? I don't think it does. So as much as I probably don't have the stones to pull it off myself, if you can go offer up a 75-range guy for Kawhi, because we know people are in full like, parachute isn't working panic on him. I would try. I think gives it a 20% chance of working. I think most of the time, the person with Kawhi is like, nah, get this crap out of my face. But I don't think it's every time. And you might just be in a league where the person with Kawhi Leonard's like, what's happening? And they go full panic mode. And also, make sure you're in a league where it's commissioner veto, because if the league saw it, they'd be like, no, 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 you can't do that stuff. But also, they don't know what that team is feeling. They might feel that Kawhi Leonard's not coming back this year, which is a possibility. Oh, by the way, we got word uh, very recently that Joel Embiid was in a was a full participant in practice, so he'll likely be back for the uh, Sixers ball game today. He's still listed as questionable, but that's a good sign, and hopefully we see him back in uh, this ball game. All right, folks, enjoy it. 15 games. Everybody going tonight. We have a lot to keep track of, and we'll tell you about it on social media. Again, I'm at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It's going to be so much fun tonight. I can't wait to break it all down with you tomorrow. So long, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.